in today's show, I'm looking back at the 2020-2021 season for the Chicago Bulls. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast, brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always, at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at LockedOnFantasyBasketball. Today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. At only 2.6 grams of carbs and 95 calories, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Moment segment coming up later in the episode. So, we're here to talk about the Chicago Bulls. A team that, again, threatens, we're going to make the playoffs, we're going all in, we're making trades to push us into that area, and then falling woefully short. It doesn't seem to matter what happens with this team changing in front offices, there's always some dumb shit that's going on. So maybe, maybe ownership is a large portion of that. Um, Arturis Kanishevis, some interesting moves, some ones that I didn't particularly like. Uh, I hated the hire of Billy Donovan. Um, I don't think that particularly worked out all that well. Let's have a look how this team actually fared this season. They were 31 and 41. So that's a real real disappointment. Now, they did have chunks of the season where they missed Zach Levine, obviously, through COVID. They had injuries to Larry Markin. Not sure that's necessarily a bad thing. And they only had uh, Nikola Vucevic for the uh, second half of the season or the, the last third of the season. But still, that's really bad from Chicago to be 31 and 41, again, when they're pushing for the playoffs. 19th in offense, 11th in defense. That 11th in defense is impressive, especially given the um, the players that are there, Levine, White, Vooch, Markkanen. Yeah, a lot of that is just run by Thad Young. But that is an impressive number. There's no doubt about that. But yeah, making that move to trade for Nikola Vucevic, which means that you probably lose your first-round draft pick this year and another first-round draft pick in the future, for a team whose ceiling is seventh seed, maybe, um, is very, very questionable. Very, very questionable. And we'll see what that ends up doing to this team. 14th in pace. Now, as I said, they lose their first round pick unless it jumps up into the top four. There's 20% chance of that happening, of them moving up into the top four. Otherwise, that pick goes to the magic. 4.5% pick one, 4.8 pick two. 5.2 5.2 for pick three and 5.7 for pick four. That is the chances of them keeping that pick. So 20 plus percent. Otherwise, they lose that selection and they're left just with pick 40. Uh, obviously, getting a, a top four pick would be unbelievable for Chicago. This lottery has so many ramifications for so many teams. The Bulls don't get that. That's obviously helps Orlando a ton and really, really hurts Chicago. So let's see how that all pans out. Very, very interested to see what goes on there. In terms of free agency, Larry Markin is a restricted free agent. You would think that the amount that he gets paid this offseason is significantly lower than what it would have been at the beginning of this season. He really struggled. Does he come back to Chicago? Do they need him back in Chicago? If he gets an offer at $20 million, there's no way you pay that. $12 million, maybe, probably. But 20, no chance. There's not not even remotely close. Do you pay that? Um, what would I give Lowry? Three years, 45 million, probably. 
I value him as a shooter, but to me, he's, I don't think he's really a guy you want to build around as a starter, especially considering you're locked into Levine and Vooch as your best two players. So I'd be inclined to try and you know, move on from Lowry, sign and trade, get something back, let him walk, deal with the cap space. Daniel Tice was starting over market and he's an unrestricted free agent. I think they'd like to bring him back. He is 29 though, so it doesn't really, this whole team doesn't make a lot of sense, let's be honest. But starting Vooch and Tice together is a weird combo, but they did it and they had some success with it. Denzel the Hammer Valentine, Garrett Temple, they're both unrestricted free agents. I don't think Valentine will be back. I think they'd like Temple back, but he is 35. Again, you can't be relying upon this guy to play 27 minutes a night. So he would probably prefer to go to a better team and have that ninth man role, 22 minutes a night role, where I think he can be really useful. I don't really think that's in Chicago. And then Javante Green, who came across in that Tice trade, he's a restricted free agent. I don't, I don't really think we've seen enough from Javante Green to think he's an NBA player. He's 28 years old already. And not a lot there that I particularly like. The marketing one is one of the most curious decisions, though, that will be made in this offseason. As for Tice, he was only paid $5 million last year. Absolute bargain, huge bargain. He's a $12 million player. Um, yeah, two, two years, $30 million for Tice. I know that's more than 12. That's $15 million. I think I think that's good enough. I think he's good enough to get that sort of money. Whether he will or not is a, is a big question. Would you know the Raptors, if they strike out on Rashawn Holmes, could they bring Daniel Tice into the bit of their center? Yeah, huge upgrade. Massive. Yeah, he can he can get $15 million a year for at least two years, I think. And I would pay him that. More comfortable paying Tice $30 million over two years than paying $60 million for Markinen over three. Absolutely no no problem with that, even though Markinen, of course, is still pretty young. But Larry just turned 24, so he's not the youngest of young. Um, but I think I'd still rather, Tice is a better player, and that's the direction that I would prefer to go in that area. Now, it's tough for me to pick the ultra moment of the season for this Chicago Bulls team. This segment's brought to you by Michelob Ultra, but you would have to say that the ultra moment of the season for the Chicago Bulls was Zach Levine getting named to his first All-Star game. I've been critical of Levine in the past, saying I'm not sure if he can actually run an efficient offense. Can he actually be you know, less than terrible defensively? But he improved both of those things. Usage, efficiency, way up. Offense was good with him out there. And defensively, he stepped up his game. And the Bulls to have a legitimate all-star and a legitimately very good player in Zach Levine, that's something that's joyful. It brings them happiness. Exactly like what Michelob Ultra can do. Because it's only worth it if you enjoy it. And having Zach Levine out there for the Bulls was absolutely enjoyable for Chicago fans. Joy creates success. And enjoyment isn't the end game. It's the whole game. Only 2.6 grams of carbs and 95 calories in Michelob Ultra. So, well done. Check out the tons of other exciting Ultra moments with the hashtag Ultra Moment on social media. Zach Levine is our Ultra Moment for the Chicago Bulls and his first ever NBA All-Star game. Let's talk about this guy. It's Vucevic. It's Vucevic. Vucevic. He absolutely outplayed expectations, Nikola Vucevic. 70 games played, 34 minutes a night, averaged 46 fantasy points. That was 12th in the NBA. The 13th best player in category leagues, averaging 23 and 12, hitting two and a half threes. Interestingly, his worst category was his field goal percentage as a center, 48%. He hit 40% on his threes. He does not get to the line really at all, and that is a problem. And his advanced numbers, they're pretty good, 1.7 EPM, but that's actually a big drop from where he'd been the last two years. Finishing at the rim's fine. Mid-range shooting's fine. Three-point percentage took a big leap up. Free throw percentage was the best in his career. He's a very good rebounder. He improved his passing. 
Defensively, he does obviously have some concerns. But yeah, he was legitimately quite a good player this season. Very, a very good player this season. Is he a guy that deserves to be viewed as a all-star as we move forward? I Probably not. He's 30 years of age. He In four or five months, he's going to turn 31. Was he deserving of an all-star spot this year? Yeah, 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 I think he was. Will he be that guy in the future? I, I really don't think so. And I don't know why the Bulls would give up two first-round picks to try and pair him with Levine to think where that's taking you. It's not taking you anywhere. And the Bulls, they can hang their hat on saying we've got two all-stars now. And that is true. I say there's no way that both Vooch and Levine get named all-stars next season, but I could be wrong with that. I just think it was a very short-sighted move to bring Vooch in at the cost that it was. And that cost was Wendell Carter Jr. as well and those draft picks. Um, at his age, he's going to be 31. A very curious decision. Offensively, he can be really good. But where where does he put you? What where, what level does he get you to? And that's the the answer to that question. I uh, I don't think is is really there. But yeah, upped his scoring from last year. His rebounding went up. He hit a lot more threes. That's part of the reason his fantasy value jumped up. And those free throws went from being a negative to a, a decent enough positive. Really really impressive this season. Will he be overrated next year? Because he played seventy of seventy two games. He's an Iron Man now. This is a guy that's missed plenty of time in the past. Um, in the time in Chicago, he was outside the top 20. A little bit of a drop in efficiency during that time. His field goals dropped down. His free throw attempts dropped down. Um, he can still be, I think he's still a solid second round player, back end second round guy. But I wouldn't be taking him at that fringe uh, first round area where he was, 12th in points and 13th in categories. I don't think that'll be the case for big Nikola Vucevic. Let's talk about the skater boy, Zach Levine. Again, deserving all-star. 35 minutes a game, 58 games played, averaged 41 fantasy points. He was drafted at pick 35, and he was the 14th-ranked player in category leagues. Just took big steps forward. Averaged 27 points, 5 rebounds, 5 assists with 3.5 threes, and shot a ridiculous 51 from the field and 85 from the line, which included 42% from three and 57 from two. A true shooting of 63% is an astonishing number. Astonishing. Especially... For a guard where he's at 97th percentile as a shooting guard in true shooting. That is ridiculous. His EPM, unbelievable. 95th percentile right across the league, plus 3.5. He was second on this team in Raptor at plus 2.3 because of how good he was offensively. In LeBron, he was uh, third on this team behind Tice, who barely played there, and Gafford, who barely played there as well. Um, you're really high up there, 1.13. That's, that's tier four still in the NBA, but some good numbers. Nonetheless, he was very impressive. Levine scored an extra two points per game, but did it by taking his true shooting from 57 to 63. That's why he was on my most improved ballot. Going from very good to unbelievably good, which is what he was this year, is a huge, huge step to take. And that improvement in efficiency, he took his rim shooting up. Where is it? Giggity. From 57 to 64. His mid-ranges went from 31 to 45. And that, to me, is also a cautionary tale. 31% is terrible. But he'd been at, this is Zach Levine's mid-range shooting numbers over the last three years. 31, 34, and 28%. Horrible numbers. This year, 45%. Really good number. Which one is real? If he goes back to being a 33, 36% mid-range shooter, the field goals drop from 51 to 47, 
Then he goes back to being a second-round player, third-round player. In fact, over the last half of the season, he was the 37th-ranked player, in large part because he did drop two percentage points on his three-pointers and two percentage points on his two-pointers. And that's really where that value came from. He generated no steals. 0.4 steals per game is horrendous. And last year, he was at 1.5 steals, in large part because of Jim Boylan's junk defense. And that defense went away, and Levine's steals disappeared again. And they got actually worse than anywhere they'd been in his career. But the assists were nice, and he was able to keep the assists at a pretty decent level when playing with Vooch, um, even when playing alongside uh, Thomas Sadoransky. And five assists per game, five and a half assists per game is not a ridiculous expectation. Would I look at him again in that 12 to 15 range next year? No. I think he's more of a second-round turn type player. Again, I worry about the mid-range shooting. I worry if the 35 minutes a night is sustainable and the 30% usage on 63 true shooting. I just don't think that those two things can necessarily continue. Thad Young was the Bulls' next best player, amazingly. Didn't see that coming at all. He played only 24 minutes a night, and his role was so weird. All of a sudden, he became a facilitating hub. He became a high-usage player, which for him, 22% is very high-usage. We haven't seen Thad Young with that sort of usage ever, really. I'm going to bring up his career numbers, but I don't think he's ever had that level of usage. Just bring it up now. Um, yeah, back in his Philadelphia days, 2014, he had 24% usage. But he was excellent offensively and defensively. Assist rate by far a career high. Even the turnover rate was up a little bit, but not to the you know how much he was handling the ball. Steal rate remained high, not quite as high as it had been in the past. But another guy that benefited from insane mid-range shooting, 48%. There's some regression potentially coming there. But his advanced numbers were excellent. Plus 2.4 EPM was great. 0.91 LeBron, really good. Raptor, 4.6, led the team, really good. But that young's 33. 12, 6, and 4 with a steal and 0.6 blocks on 56% shooting. This guy shot 45% last year. So best ever field goal percentage year. I think there's regression coming. The 4.3 assists, is that the best idea to have Thad Young running your offense? I'm not sure, but he did well in it. He also fell off completely over the last two months where he's 145th ranked player. No way do I take Thad Young in the top 100. He was 98th this year and 91st in points leagues. No chance. I just don't see that level of efficiency sticking. Um, the assists have a real chance of falling off. Maybe they don't, but they have a real chance. And his steal rate actually started to drop a lot. He was at 1.5... Uh, 1.4, 1.5, 1.7 in the last three years, down to 1.1 this year and 0.8 over the last three months. And he has been notorious for that. But the Bulls guys, uh, all their steals really fell off this year. Kobe White, huge disappointment, Kobe White. I thought that, well, that's, I thought that what he, not, I didn't think what he did in those last 10 games of last season was extricable. Ex, what am I trying to say? Extrapolatable. That's the word I'm looking for. Extrapolatable across the whole season. I thought that was unrealistic. But I thought he will start, he will play big minutes, and he will show some improvement. Unfortunately, he didn't really. Now, he did when you look at his overall numbers. He went from 13 points to 15 points per game. His assists went from 2.7 to 4.8, but his steals dropped off. His um, true shooting actually improved from 51 to 54, but it was still a big negative. But remember last year, he was the 202nd ranked player. So getting to 123rd is actually a pretty, pretty good step up. 27 fantasy points is all right as well. But that field goal percentage continues to hurt. 42% from the field. It's his worst fantasy category by far. He hit his free throws at 90%, but needs to get to the line a lot more. You know, two attempts per game is just not enough. 
He gets there five times per game. Then he becomes a real fantasy force. And I thought he would get to the line more this year, but he just didn't. We didn't see huge changes in his free throw rate. His assist rate, yeah, good improvement, but does not get um, steals at all. The usage was down 22%. It was at 22%, down from 23. The minutes were up. He lost his starting job, fought back, got it back, and actually played well to get it back. And yeah, I thought he, he scored really well. Efficiency is going to remain an issue, though, although it did improve over the course of the season. Do I think Kobe White can get inside the top 100 next season? I think there is a decent possibility, but I also don't think that he should be the guy that the Bulls are relying upon to be their starter. EPM was atrocious, negative 2.1. That's really bad. His Raptor was negative 2.5, also really bad. His LeBron was negative 1.21. You're going to guess what? Also really bad. The advanced metrics did not like Kobe White at all. Um, and that is that is absolutely a level of concern. On-off, negative 3.9. That's really quite poor, especially when you are playing a lot of that time with Levine. Um, yeah, I guess it doesn't... doesn't help that Sadoransky is a better player, so he was providing more value. But it was just a rough year from uh, White. I think that if you can get him in those 11, 12, 13 rounds, there is value in doing that next year, though. Um, guys, rockauto.com is the place that you need to go when you are looking for parts for your car. Rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and it's remarkably easy to navigate. So quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. With rockauto.com, you always get those reliably low prices, and they're the same for professionals or do-it-yourselfers. Why would you spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now, see all the parts available for your car or truck, and write locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever, but it's not just about taste and deliciousness because these bars are healthy. So it's a treat where you're going to enjoy eating it and you're also not going to pay for it on your old waistline because Built Bar, we'll talk about the flavors in a second, but most of these bars, 17 grams of protein with just 130 calories and just four grams of sugar and four grams of net carbs. Nine delicious flavors plus the occasional limited time flavor they throw out there. Get a box of your favorite flavor, but if you're undecided, grab a mixed box. 18 bars, nine flavors, two of each. You get to try all of those nine flavors and see which one you like. So go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your first order. The promo code is LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Guys, right across the Lockdown Podcast Network, we have our Road to the Finals coverage, and that is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. The Chicago Bulls wish they were in the playoffs. It is only worth it if you could enjoy it. And at 2.6 grams of carbs and 95 calories, we can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season. Lowry Markinen, let's talk about big Lowry Markinen. It was a disappointing year. Lost his starting job, never got it back. Injured again, played 51 games, 26 minutes. Averaged almost 14 points, 2.33s, five boards. But as usual, absolutely pathetic defensive numbers, 0.5 steals and 0.3 blocks. And this, you know, I've talked about him ad nauseum on this podcast about, you know, a lot of people really hyped about this guy, uh, top 30 upside. And I would never, never was in on that because that lack of efficiency is a real problem. Now, in saying all of this, he had a 62 true shooting this year. His rim percentage went up. His mid-rangers, he shot them at 47%. He hit 40% of his threes, 83 from the line. That is really good numbers. And his EPM was a negative 0.3, which is the worst of his career, but it's not 
absolutely horrendous. But I still don't know how you can build a team with him and Vooch next to each other. I just do not think it works. Defensively, he is so bad. Offensively, he can shoot, but he can't generate his own shot. He can't generate assists or shots for others. He had a 5% assist rate at 0.9% steal rate. Like They are horrendous numbers. He's an all right rebounder. He's not a good one. He's 19th percentile for his position for offensive rebounding. He's not good there. I don't know. He's just 147th in category leagues, 160th in points leagues. He does need a change of scenery, but who is looking at Markin and going, you are a 32-minute-a-night player for us? And again, his, his ceiling is really capped by the fact that he gets you know, no assists, no steals, no blocks. That really impacts him. And subpar field goal percentage because he takes so many threes. Yeah, true shooting is great, but true shooting is not a fantasy category yet. Or effective field goal percentage isn't a, isn't a fantasy category. It should be. So his overall field goal percentage takes a hit there. That's a real problem. Um, he is 24, as I said. I I don't have massive, massive, not massive, I don't have massive faith in this guy at all. Didn't really like the pick at the time. He thought he looked all right on court and he lost a lot of faith in, in Lowry Markin this year. I would not expect any top 50 seasons in his career from here on out. And I think you might be lucky to get one top 100 year. What does he need to do to be better? The shooting was you know, was pretty okay. What you need him to do is start to bring in rebounds, assists, steals, and blocks. And I just don't think it happens. And he needs to play 32 minutes a night. And again, I just don't think that happens. And that's, that, they're the things he needs to do. And I just can't see how they uh, eventuate. Let's talk Daniel Tice. 25 minutes a night. He was 157th ranked player. 164th in points leagues, 22 points per game. Shoots the ball well, 54%. Only 32% from three, which is not particularly good. Almost 10 points, five boards, 0.9 blocks. Look, there's some okay numbers there. But he's a low usage player who really is a guy that goes out there and helps teams win. And that's great. His EPM did drop quite a bit this year, but still 61 true shooting on low usage, but positive, 76th percentile EPM. Okay, rebounder, not a bad passer, not the best passer, but not a bad passer. Block rate is all right without being great. He's solid. You know, his Raptor was a positive. That's that's a good sign. His LeBron was second best on this team. Again, he is a starting caliber center. If the Bulls retain him, he will probably start again next to Vooch. But his upside is just so absolutely limited that you don't want to look at him as your last round pick as a flyer because there's no upside there. You take flyers, you deal with it, and then you add him in. You go, oh, well, he's giving me 120th ranked value, and that's totally fine. But there's no upside play in Daniel Tice, especially, again, age 29. Love what he can do for a team. Can help lots of people get better, but the fantasy value is not really there for him, I don't think. Pat Williams this is a tough one. He is, of course, a rookie. They picked him at pick number four. I didn't particularly like that. And the numbers this year aren't great. 71 games, 28 minutes, which is impressive for a rookie. No doubt about that. 20 Yahoo fantasy points per game outside the top 200. 186th in category leagues. He shot 48% from the field, which as a rookie is great. But he averaged nine points under five boards, one and a half assists, 0.9 steals and 0.6 blocks. 73 from the line without getting there at all. But 56 true shooting, again, is a really good number on very, very low usage. And he flashes. He flashes things. Defensively, I thought he held his own really well. Offensively, I don't know what to make of him. Passing is a long way from, from being there. Shooting is all right. 
but it's nothing spectacular. Doesn't take enough threes, I don't think. Free throws, not great. Doesn't really get there. Low, very low usage. Needs to be more aggressive. And he will develop. He is not yet 20. There is the scaffolding of a useful fantasy player here. I would look at him as a best-case scenario, Sacramento Kings, Harrison Barnes, with maybe more blocks. Probably fewer assists, maybe more blocks. And that's a useful player. So while I didn't love the pick at number four, and look, he was the worst on this team for, Le- for LeBron by an absolute country mile, and his um, Raptor was you know, one of the worst on the team as well. But to be a rookie and be solid enough defensively, I look at it and go, I feel okay that there is room for him to go offensively. He needs to get more confident with it. I think it will come. That usage needs to come up. So I am looking at him. Look, if I had a choice between him and Tice to pick in the last round next year, I would take Pat Williams. But the minutes were up and down a lot. You know, times where they play Garrett Temple over him because of this offensive problem. The worry I have is that next year, if they are, you know, we need to get into the playoffs and he is still not contributing to winning basketball, that he plays like 23 minutes a night and goes to a smaller role. I worry about that. I still have some faith in him. I haven't lost anything, any faith there. I, I do think that there is enough there to get interested in, but the offense is a long way away. Thomas Sadoransky, 58 games, 23 minutes a night, eight points, five assists, 0.7 steals. True shooting of 62% is excellent. Um, is he a guy you want to be a starting point guard? No, no, absolutely not. But is he solid enough? Yes. Finish at the rim at an astonishingly high rate, 70%. He's free throws well, he's mid-range as well, he's three-point as well. True shooting was great. Very good passer. Unfortunately, turned it over a lot. Um, his on-off was pretty good. His LeBron and his Raptor were okay without being great. He's just the perfect guy to be a point guard, backup point guard, backup two guard, throw him in, play him 23, 24 minutes a night. He should have played more than 23 minutes a night for sure. He is 30 though. I guess that's right in line with Vooch's age range. Um, And I don't really know what the point of him around is. $10 million non-guaranteed for this upcoming year. You're fine as a backup, no worries. But any chance of being a top... 120 fantasy player, I don't think are there. He'll have moments where you can slide him in and and try it out, but they'll keep going with White. They might get a top four pick and get Green or a Suggs or a Cunningham in that mix. And everything is just pointing to Sadoransky playing a limited role once again. Garrett Temple played too many minutes. He can be quite good at doing the right thing for a team and contributing to winning and going in there and not screwing up. But I don't think that's what this team needs. And I also think some of his impact can be a little bit overrated. 27 minutes a night at age 35. Like at some point, he's just not going to be able to handle that level of playing time. Seven and a half points, 80% from the line is pretty good. But 53 true shooting is tough. He was still a negative in his um, EPM. His LeBron was a big negative. His Raptor was a, was like 0.2. Big offensive, a big defensive positive, big offensive liability. And for fantasy, he had his moments, but seven points... Three rebounds, two assists, 0.8 steals. There's nothing there that's exciting. 245th, he ended up. 262nd for points league, 17 fantasy points. Don't think he should be back on this team, personally. 
The original. Sometimes it may be good, sometimes it may be shit. Came across from Orlando. Didn't play to begin the year because of a knee injury. He thought, is this guy ever going to play again? Came in. Steve Clifford played him way too much. He ended up with 23 games, 19 minutes. Shot 38%. Cannot shoot at all anymore. He's not even sometimes maybe good, sometimes maybe shit. He's just shit all the time. 22% from three. Unfortunately, Aminu at the age of 31 is just not an NBA caliber player anymore. And knee injuries have obviously rooted him. But he's, he used to be really good in Portland, and he is not anymore. And I don't think we need to you know, dwell too much on, on where he fits. He does have one more year left at $10 million, and he'll just be a break glass in case of the absolute worst emergency in the world if you need to get him out there. Denzel the Hammer Valentine played 62 games, 17 minutes a night. He shot 94% from the line, which is huge. But the guy whose value should be in hitting threes hit 33% of them. 14 fantasy points per game outside the top 300 for both formats. Defensively, he came in with a reputation of being a guy that can defend and can handle the ball and pass. And I don't think really anything that any of those things have fully come to the fore. His defense was all right this year. It wasn't it wasn't the worst. It was okay. You know, the advanced metrics back that up as well. He was okay in that area. But offensively, if you can't hit shots and your role is a shooter and you're 28 already, 37% shooting doesn't cut it. He should not be you know, any sort of regular rotation player as we move forward. No, it's an okay hopes for him coming out of Michigan State. Didn't really eventuate. Javante Green. Uh, Green. I don't know why he's played as much as he has. I, I just do not see really much with Javante, unfortunately for him, that makes me think NBA player. Bad uh, efficiency. Sorry, bad um, EPM and advanced numbers. 61% true shooting is pretty nice. 52% overall, 60% from two. That's good as a finisher, but I just I've, I don't think I've ever seen any sort of pop or anything where I go, wow, that's great from Javante, and he's 28. Nothing for me to see there. Troy Brown Jr., this is a weird one. He's not even 22 years of age yet, Brownie. I thought he had a real opportunity in um, Washington to you know, establish himself. Did not happen. Troy, uh, Troy, Scott Brooks hated him. Comes to Chicago, has a little bit of a role, and then gets hurt, doesn't play at the end of the year. He averages five points, though, and 43% shooting with 71 from the line. Shooting was always going to be the concern for him. One thing we thought he could do is play like a big point guard. He averaged 0.9 assists this season. That's horrible. 0.3 steals. A defensive player who can handle the ball. Like He should be looking at Thomas Sadoransky, who's another big point guard, and going, this is what I can do. Unfortunately, the assists and the defensive stuff just isn't there for him. Never been, never been able to be a good shooter, even though he did finish at the rim at 72%, which is huge. Advanced numbers did not like him at all this year. Actually hated him. I thought he regressed quite a bit, even though I'm critical of Brooks not playing him. His play was bad this season. I'm not giving up on Troy Brown yet. He's a, is, he, is he restricted or has he got one more year? Sorry, he's got one more year. I would like to see them get him in you know, where that Garrett Temple role is. Let's see if Troy Brown can handle that role. I don't know whether they'll do it or not, but I'd like to see him in that role, playing the three, playing the four, handling the ball. He's a name, he barely finished in the top 400. I think top 250 is a possibility still for him. I expect some level of improvement from Troy Brown next season. Ryan Archer-Jackano shouldn't be playing in the NBA anymore. 27 years of age, 44 games, 10 minutes, 3 points. I don't need to harp too much on him. There's just absolutely no need for him to be getting minutes. And uh, Devin Dotson, who I thought you know was an interesting guy to sign as a two-way player, they just barely played him. Uh, so we didn't really get much of a chance. He had a knee injury to start the year. There's not a lot to really look at and go, well, this is great. Like, you know, 71% from two, ah, fantastic, but no way that sticks. 14% from three, horrendous. 
at least a name to watch and see if he can provide anything. I believe that he is a um, is a, is a two-way guy, so uh, yeah, he could be coming back, but I wouldn't be prioritizing it. Cristiano Felizio, uh, see you later. Adam Makoka, again, barely played. I would have liked to see a little bit more out of Makoka, but yeah, just just wasn't out there. And yeah, defensively, I think he can be a solid enough player, but he's, he's had these one or two games where he puts up big numbers. But I just don't, I just don't think that 39 true shooting in his limited playing time, look, 56 minutes total is obviously, uh, sorry, not 56 minutes total, 14, um, yeah, 56 minutes total um, is yeah, not enough to make any judgments, but it's enough for me to say they don't think that he can make any sort of impact. And I don't think you need to worry too much about Adam Makoka. Some questions for you guys. A lot of questions about Kobe White. Um, Eric says, is Kobe White a good fit long-term? Is he a sixth-man starter or another team's future number two option? Look, what he is, is he's a guy that will take shots and he can get hot, but efficiency and shot selection is a real problem. Defensively, he's he's a massive issue and his vision and passing isn't there. I think that his role is best as a sixth man. That's how I view him. He's an undersized two guard and that that can be a problem to fit. Um, I would not be looking. I would not be looking at, uh, if I was Chicago, I wouldn't be looking and go, well, we're settled there. Yeah, sixth man, great. I'd rather another point guard, and they should not dissuade themselves from drafting a point guard if they find themselves in the top four. Eric Wagner says, taking in Vooch's age and consideration, what is his dynasty value? He's going to be 31. Two more years as a top 30 player, and then I think we're done. So in a dynasty league, I will probably, depending on what strategy you're going for, it probably wouldn't be a top 50 dynasty asset would be my guess. Matt Lawson says, am I buying or selling these Bulls Dynasty ADPs? Levine, 22. I think that's about right. Vooch at 27, probably too high. White at 88. Hmm. White at 88, I think, is pretty good value for Dynasty. Patrick Williams at 90. Hmm. Yeah, I, I'd take a flyer on him there. Marking at 111. Not, no, not interested in that at all. And last question, Patty says, what's the key to Patrick Williams developing beyond a low-usage guy who plays good defense, adding some creative abilities? Yeah, look, it's just going to be getting confidence in his shot, which wasn't there this year. It might take two years to come. I think he can get to be... Look, will he ever be a 30% usage guy? No. 25? Look, it's Harrison Barnes is what he needs to be looking at. A guy that's confident enough to take the shots, can create a little bit for others, but it might take years to get there. I think he can get there. The defense is already there, and I think there are flashes offensively. He's got to get a little bit more creativity, you're right. But it's just about when you're getting to the right spot and having confidence to take those shots, which he doesn't quite have just yet. Actually, last question, Nolan. How much is the potential signing of Lonzo or Dennis Schroeder hurt Kobe White, Zach Levine's value next season? Lonzo does not hurt Levine at all. I think he marginally hurts Kobe, but Kobe can still get 29 minutes off the bench. Schroeder's a different one because that does hurt uh, White quite a bit because Schroeder's really an offensive-only sort of guy. It obviously hurts Schroeder more than it hurts Levine. Schroeder takes the back seat there, and he he hurts a lot. But Dennis Schroeder coming in does hurt Kobe White quite a bit if that is the direction the Bulls decide to go. Guys, that'll do it for me today. Don't forget, follow along, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app, give a thumbs up on YouTube. Hit subscribe. Hit the notification bell and leave your comments down below, guys. We are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.